the ever-present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later. The Homestar Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trek West 5 is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by Dee.blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeBagere with Kirkham & Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmy.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 134. I am Peter. And I am Joey. And uh, welcome back to the podcast, Joey. Thanks. Pleasure to have you here this evening. And special guest... Longtime contributor, the very father of this podcast, my friend John Madsen. Hello. I feel like we should. Uh, yeah, we could <laughs> applaud him. <laughs> Those are not my applause. <laughs> um, I would applaud, but I hurt my wrist this week. Really? Yes. And I want to describe this story to you. Okay. So I play indoor soccer, and I had just subbed off. Wait, wait, wait. It sounds like you're telling a story. I thought you were going to describe a story. Well, d- define the difference. You, you don't actually tell the story. You just describe the components that would have been in it had you told it. <laughs> I don't even understand that. <laughs> Is so it like man versus now, man? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm leaning over the edge, just kind of watching the game. And from the distance between you and me, I'm leaning over like right about okay. right here. Here's the way my hands are positioned. You have the ball, and you kick the ball at me. And the ball... <laughs> okay, ready? <laughs> the ball comes and hits my hand and snaps it back. Ooh, that uh, felt good. It didn't, as it turns out. It ended up being quite painful. So I've got about this amount of movement. So maybe doesn't 30%... Range of movement there. Yeah, it, it's it's painful. I, I, so I can't do you, any of this. Did you ask kind of your stuff. physical therapist to look at it? She, yeah, when I saw her, she was like, every time she took a hold of my ear, she's like, oh, oh I'm so sorry. I'm like, oh, that, that that didn't really hurt. I mean, you weren't trying to like flop it around anywhere. <laughs> and so she's like, yeah, I don't think you broke anything. I think it's probably just a really bad sprain. So it, I, I don't feel like I should be applauding anyone right now. Okay. Good excuse. Fine. Yeah. I come yeah. all the way here and you don't applaud me. <laughs> all the way. <laughs> Down the stairs. <laughs> uh, Joey, any announcements? Any good stuff? Uh, the Republican primary for the state of Utah is on June 26th. Don't all right. We want to votes. encourage all of our Trek was Five uh, listeners who are Republicans. And in the state of Utah. <laughs> to uh, get out there. Maybe my mom, if she listens. <laughs> Uh, well, it couldn't be me, because I don't listen. Anyway, uh, yeah, I guess we'll get back into the regular flow yes, of yep. things. Uh, should, let's go with Facebook Find of the Week. Okay. It is the... Uh, well, I should I should preface here. I was super busy this week. I, I, I have a, a teammate, a co-worker that works on my team, who lives in Germany. And he was here visiting the United States this week. And for the time that he was here, we decided we're going to book all-day meetings from 6 in the morning until like 8 o'clock at night every day just 
squeeze as much value out of this trip as we can, which means I didn't have time to look at Facebook all week. So I, I delegated to Pete, and he narrowed it down to three items. Yep, and I, I gave Joey a choice. I said I could just choose it. Or I've selected three that I feel are very worthy to win over the, like, the last three weeks. And I was able to ensure that I looked at all of them from the last three weeks and not just do the Joey thing, which was, all right, what was posted yesterday? <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, uh, out so, of those, I selected the Dark Knight Birthday from Carbonite Man. Ah, very funny. I have to say... The, the image of that guy on top of the roof eating birthday cake has to be one of the most memorable things ever. So it was so funny when the kid like is hitting the pinata and like breaks it down. He's like, no, I did this. I <laughs> that was pretty good <laughs> for me. You understand? <laughs> you tell them I did it. <laughs> I can be this for that party. That was, that was really, really enjoyable. Good find, uh, Carbonite Man. And uh, to whoever was that Batman, I thought you did a good job. Um, okay, let's do... Uh, Brings Nook. Do we have a Nook? Yeah, we do. Okay. He wrote in and said, uh, Brainy Smurf, Sup, dudes. Sup, Brain Nation. Drooplets. <laughs> good, good timing, Brainy. I like it. Wow, it's been so long since I wrote. I almost forgot about the worst recitation of a poem ever from the last podcast. <laughs> yeah, I screwed it up. I get it. I know I'm not very good at it. Uh, JK. Uh, so, have we named Mark yet? Um, if you still hate listener Nambla, <laughs> and I do, uh, how about listener Funky Bunch? By the way, uh, what a great decision to go two weeks for Firefly. Oh, two a weeks for Firefly. Yay. And so to kick off our Firefly adventure for this week's Nook of Darkness, we highlight the actor Mark Shepard, one of the greatest bit part actors in modern sci-fi. Yeah. He plays Badger on Firefly, featured in the pilot episode, as well as in Shindig, before landing the memorable role as everyone's favorite tie without a collar, Shady Businessman. He had small spots on The X-Files and Voyager. In 2006, he went on to play Ivan Irwich uh, on a handful of 24 episodes. He then landed the legendary role of Romo Lampkin on Battlestar Galactica. I thought he did a good job in that role. Have you seen him in that yet? I have no idea who Romo Lampkin is. Okay. Yeah, that's true, because I think it may be end of season three and then some yeah. season four. I'm about five into season three. So. Okay, yeah. You'll get there. Yep. You'll get there. I'm working on it. Uh, he was written as a modern-day Clarence Darrow, and although he was only in six BSG episodes, his character became one of my all-time favorites. Best sci-fi attorney ever. No, I'll kind of spoiled that a little bit for you. Uh, and you also spoiled that he's in six episodes. I guess he dies <laughs> as soon as I meet him. <laughs> Some people get upset uh, that BSG had a few courtroom drama episodes to finish off season three. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really spoiling <laughs> this for you now. <laughs> Would you like me to stop reading? Is he a Cylon? <laughs> they all are, aren't they? Isn't that the whole point? I don't know. Don't tell me. Uh, but I thought it was some of the best TV I had ever witnessed. Uh, Shepard's work was riveting as he turned a um, 
Nah, I'm editing this now. <laughs> now. Uh, not, not, now that I ruined most of season three for you. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. no, no. Keep, keep reading. Keep reading. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. John is covering his ears and humming loudly. Uh, he went on to play Tanaka on Dollhouse, another Whedon show, but I never saw it. Continuing to demonstrate his prowess in creating endearing baddies, Shepard went on to play Crowley, everyone's favorite demon on Supernatural. I've stopped reading about Battlestar Galactica, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Through that whole, those last two sentences, John Hedis, he was humming loudly. That was funny, I thought. Crowley is the demon behind the infamous Crossroads, and he almost makes you want to root for him and his nefarious ongoings. He was also on Warehouse 13 yep. as Benedict Valda, a boss dude of the warehouses. And finally, in the two-parter opener to Series 6 of Doctor Who. Shepard played Canton, Delaware, an FBI agent who helps the Dr. Uh, Kajoli Nixon, I don't know, into cosmic compliance, inciting an international interplanetary chain of events leading towards... Um, God, I'm crying out loud. Why are you giving away all this stuff? Uh, great player, minor characters. All of these roles are quite memorable, and <laughs> it would be hard-pressed to find another sci-fi bit part actor who measures up to Shepard. Holla! Now, how did he not, in all of that, mention he plays the character Sterling on Leverage? Because he was just doing sci-fi. Leverage is sci-fi. Fantasy. It's not real. Mm -hmm. it, I would consider that to be more realistic than... Okay. I wouldn't consider it sci-fi. Okay. You call it, it sounds fantasy. like they actually try and come up with real-world stuff. Even though we all roll our eyes at how fast... Um, oh, shoot. What's uh, the computer guy? Uh, Har uh, Harson. How fast he manages to, does th to do things. It's like, no, no, it, it, no, you can't go that And fast. some of the technology that they use on it I, is what I ma makes me say, well, I think you'd call it sci-fi, but okay. Um, yeah, anyway, so thanks very much. Good Nook of Darkness. Yeah. Now, John, you said you had something you wanted to share. Oh, okay, you want me to, okay. Um, I'm reading right now, which is weird. I don't usually read. Yeah, and we're doing a podcast as well, so. I know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so sorry. Is, is that rude? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 it's cool. You're, you're good. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll, you'll put it down when, when we have finally hit where it's, you know, finally good. It, it's a good, uh, gauge for us to measure against. Okay, okay. Uh, okay, uh, have either of you heard of, um, the writer by the name of John Schwarzwelder? No. You, no. You may recognize his name. He's sort of famous for writing the most episodes of The Simpsons. Uh, he's a pretty prolific writer, kind of in the early years, and he was like a, a consulting kind of, he was one of the main, like, consulting writers on The okay. Simpsons for a while. I think he wrote 59 full episodes of Simpsons. Okay. Um... And uh, for a long time, many of the fans thought he was a fake name because, like, he wouldn't appear on any of the commentaries uh, and, like, no one really knew who he was. It kind of turns out he's, like, kind of considered, like, the J.D. Solinger of Simpsons writers. <laughs> he's he's uh, incredibly reclusive, just weird guy, 
um, who, he, and I think, uh, according to, like, the Wikipedia page, he was the only one who was allowed to not be, like, at the, at the readings and the, in the read-throughs and the, at the, at the, at the writer's table, um, partially because, you know, he was so good and he didn't have to and he could just phone it in, and also because he was such a chain smoker that no one wanted to be around him. (laughs) Um, uh, apparently he, uh, like, he used to, uh, in the early years of Simpsons, he had this cafe that he would just drink coffee and smoke at while he was writing episodes. Um, and when, like, California passed some, like, uh, clean yeah, air laws, yeah. he uh, he actually bought the booth and put it in his house <laughs> and worked at that booth kind of thing. So just this weird guy. He's a okay. weird Simpsons writer. No, no, that sounds totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, after he, shortly after he left The Simpsons, I think starting in, like, 04, I can't remember when, he started writing novels. Like, one a year, every year. So I think he's written, like, ten novels since he's left Simpsons. And I'm reading the first one right now. It's called The Time Machine Did It. And I got it um, on my uh, Kindle app. And it's the, I guess it's the first in a, se- a series of stories about this, this man named Frank Burley. He's a private investigator, and he's investigating uh, this, this kind of time machine caper. He's, he's, he's uh, someone kind of a... Uh, initially, like this, well, to, to start out, his, his character starts out like getting beat up. He's like this, and it's first person. He's like, I'm getting beat up right now. Um, you know, I'm doing bodyguard work, which is not my favorite kind of work, but you know, I'll, I'll do what I can get. And uh, this kid hired me because he thought he was going to be in trouble at this party. And so, this this one kid came up to my kid and tried to uh, hit him, and so I intervened. And then another guy who is earlier than I am intervened and then I noticed while we were in the fight I noticed the two kids were just sitting there smoking on the side it turns out that they each hired bodyguards (laughs) because there was nothing good on TV that day and they wanted to see the bodyguards fight you know and and so like stuff like that happened he talks about his name he's like my name is not Frank Burley but if um, considering most of my business comes from looking for private investigator in the phone book I had to think of a name so I figured Burley I also figured you know I needed to be honest so Frank and so he goes through. He's not a very bright guy <laughs> at all. And in this first so it's case, Homer Simpson, the detective. It, 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 it kind of, it kind of. It, I would say it's, it's. Um, and I, I, I meant to look to see if, uh, if uh, John Swartzwelder had anything to do with this episode. But do you remember the episode where, where Bart steals the the Bone Storm cartridge from the department store on Christmas? Yes. Um, yes. And the the. the the department store, store detective. It's like, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, uh, this is uh, when he like when he calls Bart's parents. He's like, "Hello, this is uh, Broadka. Yeah, that's right, Dick Broadka. Yes, I'm the department store detective. Turns out that your son is guilty of the eighth commandment, lying. Also, the eleventh commandment, stealing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I know. Yes, yeah, that's right. Try to have a very mer- a merry Christmas anyway. Then he hangs up. I got the machine. That's right." The machine. <laughs> um, and it, 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 this guy talks a lot like that guy. Um, in this first case, this time machine case, he's actually like, um, uh, he's hired by this this kind of homeless guy. He's like, I used to be this really well-off guy, um, and uh, I, I'm not anymore, but, uh, you know, here, to prove how much this case is important to me, I'm not. I'm offering you not just one blank check, but five blank checks. <laughs> and so, like, that's what he's going off of. Is five blank checks. 
uh, but it's it's really funny. It's a really funny book. It's it, and it's like I'm 50 pages in. It's really really consistent in its humor. I I call it. I think it's very, very Douglas Adams-esque. I, 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 I was about yeah. to ask the same yeah. question. Al almost yeah. sounds Dirk Gently kind of... Yeah, which I never actually read Dirk Gently. Oh, you're missing out. Really? You're I, really I read the other ones, but not Dirk... I'll have to read Dirk Gently then, because if, if it's as good as this, then I'm into it. But I think it's really good. So anyway, um, John Swartzwell, he's... And I think it's self-published. There are a lot of like grammatical errors and stuff in the book that I have. Anyway. Okay. So I, I don't think he had an editor. I think he just did it by himself and just put it out. So Interesting. Pretty funny. Yeah, that, that that is very funny. Yeah. Uh, well, that was a good share, John. That was Thank a really you. good share. You're welcome to have your own little segment here uh, on Trek yeah. Five. Uh, maybe yeah. during maybe during the Firefly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, Joey's Culture Corner. Yeah, culturizes, sir. Uh, well, in honor of the beginning of uh, Firefly here, I thought we could talk a little bit about. Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. <laughs> and another Joss Whedon product. Um, you know, I, be, be, before Firefly, I had absolutely no interest in Joss Whedon whatsoever. And in fact, even my the first time I tried to watch Firefly, because I watched him in broadcast order, which is a terrible mistake, um, I didn't care for it. I just thought, what a, what a dumb show. Why, why, do, why are people so excited about this but why, why are there cowboys on a uh, wagon yeah in the middle of a river i thought this was a show in space and and so thankfully uh curtis good friend of the podcast and, and of myself as well didn't give up on me he kept encouraging me he said, oh you watched them in the wrong order you got to watch them in the order that joss whedon intended them to be shown and so i did i come back i came back and i watched it and so I, as a result of watching firefly i said this joss whedon guy He's he's a good writer. I, I really enjoy Firefly. So when you know when some of our friends let me know that during the writers' strike back what three four years ago now, mm -hmm. um, Joss was looking for something to do to kind of keep his his writing skills sharp or what have you, and so they did a an independent production of a, a musical, Doctor Horrible's Sing Along Blog. Uh, What's what's Doogie Howser's name? Harris. Neil Patrick Harris, Nathan Fillion, and Felicia Day. Amazing, and 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 the th the thing that frustrated me about this, uh, every time I watch Doctor Horrible, I love it to death. It's so good. I think, why is the Stephen Sondheim of my generation wasting his time on Buffy and Angel? <laughs> He could be out there writing Broadway musicals. This was so good. He honed his skills on Angel and Buffy, sir. He, he could have been writing musicals. This thing, uh, he has he done... What, he did write a Buffy musical. Yes, he did. <laughs> good. Which you enjoy. Which I love. Admit, which you I like love. Buffy. I like one episode of Buffy. It's yeah. the only episode I've ever watched. You haven't seen the silent one yet. I haven't. I was going to say, that's the one I would recommend, yeah. Uh, Joss Whedon has done more than just these television stuff. He's he's been part yeah, he of has. other like feature films. Yeah. So the the one that surprised the heck out of me when I got into it and I started, you know, I'm like, okay, I know who this Joss Whedon guy is. I try to pay attention to credits, but if it's not a name I know, it doesn't stick, right? So I'm I'm sitting there watching a movie one day with my kids and I'm like, you gotta you gotta be kidding me, Toy Story written by <laughs> Joss Whedon, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. Anyway, uh, Dr. Horrible, so the, the premise is that Neil Patrick Harris plays 
a guy who wants to be a supervillain. He's a supervillain wannabe. And he, he's applying for admission into the Evil League of Evil. And he falls in love with a girl. Meanwhile, the uh, the superhero of the story, who's the, the self-centered and jerktastic Nathan Fillion playing Captain Hammer, um, gets the girl and, and, through a series of events, actually turns Dr. Horrible into a true supervillain, in my opinion. Spoiler alert. I, I was careful there to not spoil anything. <laughs> what? what? You just spoiled that clear through. No. Uh, I would call that a spoiler. All right. But, yeah. we, can, we, we can edit that post. We're not going to edit it. No one's going to edit that. <laughs> Look, just go and listen to, to it. It's a really, it really, really enjoyable well, I, thing. I, I think everybody listening has probably seen Dr. Horrible. Seems I could likely. be wrong, but that would be, I think that would be a good question. You know, I, I've been really surprised at how many people that I work with on a day-to-day basis that have never even heard of Firefly. Mm-hmm. So you never know. Yeah, anyway, that, that I hard. give Dr. Horrible thumb up. Okay. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's very, very enjoyable. And it's my first, it was my first introduction to Felicia Day, who, when I saw it, I was like, really? They got her? She's not that great. Eh, she's not that attractive. But since, I'm like, yeah, yeah she's she's definitely... She's yeah. got something, doesn't she? Yeah, she, she yeah, sure does. That's the thing you could say about Felicia Day. <laughs> she's got something. Because she, she becomes attractive. It's just yeah. one of those things. Yeah. Uh, okay, should we jump into uh, Firefly proper here? Let's do it. We are going to be covering uh, episodes uh, one <laughs> of season one, one season half <laughs> of the uh, of the TV series Firefly, and we're going to go with uh, episode one, uh, Serenity. Joey, would you read the summary? We meet the passengers of Serenity and see how they come together to form a crew. Now, as you've already mentioned, this wasn't the original broadcast order that we're saying this. This isn't the first one that was ever broadcast on television. Uh, the first one that was broadcast on television was The Train Job. Right, which is episode three. Two. 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 For some reason, I always transpose Bushwhacked in The Train Job. That's okay. That's okay. It's kind of episode three, because it says Serenity Parts 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Gosh, where do we start? Should we just start at the beginning here? We've got uh, the big war. Yes. Which is the Alliance versus... I know they're not called the Brown Coats. That's their slang term. The Independence. Is, is the it the Independence? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't remember them mentioning it anywhere in this not episode. Not in this episode, they don't. Yeah. Okay. So, so they're fighting against the Alliance, and uh, I thought it was a good fight scene. Yeah. It needed more bodies. You think so? I, I think they needed more actors to make it look like a, a, a real <laughs> ground war was going on. That you sound like five you, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't seem like much of a war at that point. And it was the same alliance guys getting up from scene to scene, like, okay, we got to go die over in this one now. It's showing how awesome Mal Reynolds is because he's killed he's everyone in that area. War. <laughs> Just him and well and and uh, and Zoe of course yeah and the guy who just stands there and gets shot oh uh, yeah Bendez is it Bendez Bendez the guy who gets shell shock yeah. I gotta say I think there's a really high probability I'm that guy 
I want in my dreams. I want to be Mal Reynolds. Well, that just I means do. we need to expose you to more killing before the war comes, <laughs> so that you're you know you're you're more inured to it when it happens. I I want to believe that I'm calloused enough to be able to see someone die and say, huh? Well, let's keep going, everyone. Pete, considering how many, I, I agree with you because I, I think I'm that guy too. Because like, how many times, like, just during the day, I find myself just staring. At <laughs> <laughs> you're you're shell shocked by regular life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, either that or people are dying a awful lot at where he works. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So you know, one of the things I really like though about <clears throat> about Josh Whedon, again, I haven't watched a lot of Angel or Buffy. Uh, I've been in the room while they were playing, but I, I try not to pay attention to them. Uh, but one of the things that I, I enjoy about the way Joss Whedon writes is he seems to have a lot of faith in his viewer that I don't have to tell you all the backstory and give you all the details. You're, you're just you're going to buy the premise and you're going to come along with me on, mm -hmm. on the story. And I, I like that. I like that he's like, you know what? I don't have to spend 10 minutes you know, of, of text on the screen telling you the, the history of the intergalactic civil war that's going on here or at least galactic civil war um he, he just jumps right into the story and and he'll re reveal bits and pieces as we go through but just expects the audience to say all right just buy that this is a civil war and that there's a good reason for it it's interesting um uh one of my favorite podcasts i listen to a film podcast someone who loves joss whedon as well their big complaint about the avengers movie was that he seemed in the beginning of the movie to not do exactly what you just said where he usually does. Um, and I kind of, I, I think I do kind of agree with that. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I, saw I it, haven't but... seen it. <laughs> don't spoil anything or you're getting a pencil to the thigh. Shawarma. Huh. We'll, we'll have to talk about that off air or something. <laughs> Pete won't stab me in the thigh. Oh, that's fine. Uh, I enjoyed the scene where Mal shoots down the plane. He's celebrating like, yeah, yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> I wonder how many times that actually happened in, like, World War Two. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting these guys. It's like, the planes, like in video games, they just show whenever you it shoot something, it, 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 it dissipate, uh, dissipates completely. Yeah. Everything's gone. No, there, there's still chunks of stuff going to be flying somewhere. Yeah. And all of those planes that were shot down over various areas, they all fell onto something down below. <laughs> and we never really talk about it much, but they had to have been hitting something. Yeah. Surely you're thinking right now of that Amazing Stories episode that took, <laughs> that took place in World War II. You know the one with the guys down in the gun turret? <laughs> that is a great story. I wish I could find that. Have your kids ever seen that? I don't know what you're talking Amazing about. Amazing Stories? I don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't sound familiar. Hmm. Have you heard of Amazing Stories? It doesn't, not by that name. I mean, I don't recognize it by that name. Spielberg is the one who, no. who did it. TV uh -uh. show. You know, in the 80s. And it was kind of like... Like little mini movies kind yeah, of thing. Well, yeah, yeah. It was like a mini movie. Like every episode, it was it was like Twilight Zone. You know, where it wasn't like a series Isn't that of that the one where episodes. he did the, had the John Lithgow and the Creature on the Wing? Wasn't that an amazing story as no, well? No, that, that was, was Twilight. Like new Twilight Zone. That's Twilight Zone. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm because sure. remember, I it was a remake of the Shatner episode of Twilight Zone. <laughs> John Lithgow does it so much better. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have said that if I wasn't right here. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, there's, there's a few different episodes where it's just like, 
good things happen in the end. Like, yeah. they're never sad stories. They were, I think they were kind of intended for, like, little kids. You know, okay. to, you know the, the younger kids to be able to watch them. Yeah. If there's enough suspense that you could sit there and watch it and be like, Okay, crap. You know what, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely in the PG realm. Yeah, okay. you, you should look for them. Like fantasy and oh, to see fantasy like invading in a good way, sort of thing. Yeah, it, yeah. it might be on Netflix. I can't remember though. Maybe I can check. Yeah, I bet there's probably a list on like IMDb if you hit Spielberg of, of all okay. of his amazing stories. Because I want to say he did like maybe six or so. There wasn't a ton, but mm. yeah, it, it seems like it, it was a show that ran for a season. Oh, really? I think so. There's really just the cu- the couple that come to my mind very clearly. Yeah. And yeah. The, the airplane some, one Some that were one. super memorable, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that was a nice aside. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for something uh, with your children, uh, Amazing Stories is uh, what we'd recommend. You know, one thing that's, that's also kind of interesting here. Uh, so I'm currently watching my way through Castle. I'm about halfway through, or towards the tail end of season three of Castle. Main main actor Nathan Nathan Fillion, Fillion who plays Mal Reynolds, he has put on so much weight. Oh yeah, the dude. I, I'm watching this. I'm like, I did not realize how chiseled he looked in Firefly. <laughs> compared to, I wouldn't to, even call him chiseled in Firefly. Well, I mean, like like the the d- definition of his jawline and stuff. Now it's just all kind of soft, double chinny. <laughs> Which well, I'm not criticizing. That's on what almost ten years ago. Yeah, that yeah. He did that. I, so. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to criticize. I'm just saying it was it was very stark because I literally watched an episode of Firefly, and then went and watched an episode of Castle and, and did a double take. I'm like, holy cow, he looks so fat. <laughs> you know, I'll do it. I'll call him. I, you know what? Your new nickname is Fatty Fillion. <laughs> I'll be the one to uh, to shine the light on that. Uh, okay, so the enemy swarms, the, the tr- you know, their backup isn't going to come in. Serenity Valley is this big, great battle that collapses on them. And I can just imagine the feeling of, oh, crap, as all of these ships start to come down, and you're like, uh, no one's coming to help me yeah. at all. Yeah. I, I am done. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. What is that? All right, this is the Amazing Stories episode that Pete show, and I uh, Show just... the microphone. Yeah, I'm showing the microphone. I should actually show this thing here. It's World War II. It's planes. He's shooting a plane. It's going to land right on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and do you hear that sound? It's the Millennium Falcon. I think, you know, Spielberg had access to that. <laughs> That's so true. That's awesome. <laughs> Anyway, we we should watch this for the next half hour. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could do it as a sub uh, podcast sometime. Amazing yeah, stories in between. That'd be a, that'd be fun because they are good. They're, I think they are good. good. They're good. Now, so, I remember them being good. You, anyway. you heard yeah. it now, listeners. If you want to participate, you better get your find your copy of Amazing Stories by Hook or by Crook. <laughs> it's on Netflix, apparently. Okay. Okay. So anyway, the enemy swarms fades out as you know. Mal's looking up at the sky, saying, "Oh." Yeah, crap. Um, he's he has to basically give in and give up. Six years later. Yeah. Now, what I really like about the whole thing of Firefly um, is that's uh, not the only thing I like, obviously. But uh, it, it's it's these are the losers of the war going around, uh-huh. and um, you know they they meet people occasionally who are like. You know, supporters of the Alliance, obviously. Um, 
And I think they do a good job of pointing out, like, just because, um, just because they're the winners, it doesn't mean they're the right people, that they're right. the good guys, that they're, uh, uh, and, you know, the, I mean, there are some people who, like, there is one episode coming up where, I mean, they meet, you know, a bunch of people who seem like they would be suited to be independents, who would want, you know, to not have someone oppressing them, but they do choose to have those people oppressing them, uh, because, I don't know why, because they're indoctrinated, because they want the convenience, because they don't want their freedom kind of thing, and I, 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 I do think it's, like, an interesting way to tell the story. It's, like, it's after the war and after they lose. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty magnanimous of the Alliance to allow them to continue on. And, uh, <laughs> and it just shows show. how great the Alliance truly is. <laughs> and uh, we should welcome our new overlords. Um, <laughs> you, you spineless. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Brown coats forever. <laughs> fast forward six years. And uh, we have scavengers. Yep. And uh, we start to meet some new characters. We have Wash. Yeah. Uh, and his dinosaurs. Cartoon <laughs> sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> we shall call it this land. <laughs> so funny. Oh, a great. Yeah, and, scene. Th- and that's one of the things I love about Firefly. Now, again, I don't know if he did this in Buffy and Angel the way he did in Firefly. I don't feel like he he was as consistent about this in sorry what's the epitaph one and what was the what was the show that he had on fox dollhouse dollhouse thank you so dollhouse in my opinion didn't do as good of a job as as firefly and uh dr horrible where he just kind of he has these really dynamic interesting characters and he lets them he just kind of drops them into the story and let's just sit back and watch what happens Dollhouse, it was very plot-driven. I mean, the the events were pushing the characters around. Whereas in Firefly, we just get the sense of, these are just real people that we're just kind of watching what happens to them here. Mm. And and, and Wash, Wash is a great example of that. He's someone that I can totally see myself hanging out with. You know, he's sitting there on the ship, bridge of the ship, playing with his dinosaurs. <laughs> I think it's safe to say he's someone you would like to hang out with. There's no guarantee he would want to hang out with you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's not, uh, you know, make yourself into something <laughs> that you're not. Okay. Uh, yeah. As, as long as we're talking about Wash really quick. Um, I think I think you said once, and I didn't know this, I think he's most people's favorite character. Like who, who It seems Firefly. like everybody who's like, oh yeah, I love Wash. He's great. I I mean he was okay for me. I, I I never responded that way though. I love Wash. He is my favorite character. Um and you know maybe everybody else is right this time. Um, <laughs> but uh like for me I think what worked well what like really got me because like when I first watched the show I re- I watched it the right way, I guess. He's introduced, you know, with the dinosaurs and you, you he's in the Hawaiian shirt. He's this goofy guy. He's like, "Oh, yeah, here's the comic relief of the story." And you're like, you know, and he says funny things. And up to that point, I had seen Alan Tudyk in, like, a couple of other movies. He was, like, in... He was in uh, 28 Days with Sandra Bullock. And he was in A Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger. And yeah, those are two movies that I didn't like. <laughs> especially Alan Tudyk. Like, he was the worst <laughs> part of two movies that I hated. And so, like, I found out, like, okay, he's going to be the obstacle I'm going to have to overcome when I start watching this show, Firefly. Um, 
But, you know, he starts off, I'm like, hey, wow, he's playing a normal guy. I can get into that. But the, the key moment was, okay, once he's established that he's the, the class clown, when they're all discussing something later, um, and he is the one who, when he gets serious, you know he gets serious. Yeah. He's like, this, you know, this is not something... It's you when know, they were talking about killing the Fed. Exactly. Yeah, can we go back to this killing thing? Yeah, again? yeah. He, because he, he, he jokes about it, he says, like, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, maybe we should vote on who we murder. And then, like, his next line is, you know, this is, he says it very seriously. And, in like, in a true character yeah. way. Yeah. And I think, I, I noticed that immediately the first time I saw it. I thought it was really cool. Was he, was he, who was he in A Knight's Tale? Uh, he was, like, their, I don't know, he, he was just this, this dumb guy. <laughs> he wasn't Chaucer, was he? He wasn't Chaucer. No, he okay. announced Chaucer. He he was the guy. Remember, he said it's called a lance. Hello. Okay. All right. Okay. You know, and he just said dumb lines like that. He had a dumb face the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> was it, he was in dodgeball? He played like this pirate dude. Oh, he was in dodgeball. That's Steve right. Steve the pirate. He was Steve the pirate. Um, which I don't even remember him. But all I remember is Steve the pirate. He was. He just talked like a pirate, and that was. Dodgeball was sort of funny, and I didn't think Steve the Pirate was super funny. <laughs> so I, I I have been watching this with someone who it's their first watch through of Firefly, and he he it took him a few times in the episode where they just break into Chinese, and finally he said, I I can't understand him. What are they saying? <laughs> and and you know even for me it's a little little difficult to get back into the mode where just hearing. Chinese dropped into the random parts of sentences and having to figure out what's meant through context, it, it's a little bit difficult. But again, I think it, it goes back to what I said, this, this trust that Joss Whedon has in his audience. Yeah, you know what? You're, you're all going to figure it out. I don't have to tell you that they're speaking Chinese. I don't have to tell you that you know, it's because America and China were the two powers that survived Earth that was, and, and so therefore, you know, out in the galaxy, American and Chinese kind of work hand in hand. He he just lets the audience figure it out as we go. I I don't know if they ever do they ever say that. Ever no, I don't think they ever really get to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we're maybe told after the fact through like maybe one of the commentaries or something. Yeah, it, it's it's almost like a. I mean, it's almost like a, a sort of meta thing where you, I mean you kind of have to do your homework if you want to know what language they're speaking. But ultimately, for the purposes of the show. You know that everybody speaks another language. It's right. something, and, mm-hmm. and it tends to be when they're angry that they say that language. Yes, uh, and and so which I have heard that's that what you the need. emotional that, that's when yeah. they were swearing is because they could get away with it. Yeah, because it's Chinese. No, yes, no, you can do that on American uh, TV. It works much better. Well, than but there, there are times there are there are times when it's not <laughs> anger, but it is <laughs> strong emotion. Yeah. It tends to be strong emotion. So like when. When they land on Persephone and Wash is telling Zoe, hey, be careful. <laughs> Who was that again? What? Wash? 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 Okay. Did I... You kind of you you slurred it a little bit. You're going to be saying... You kind of slurred it. Wash? Wash? <laughs> Great. Now I'm going to be saying his I like name, to give him a hard time about this, because yeah. every so often, he'll just do it. He doesn't have any idea that he's just slurred <laughs> that word. I'd love to catch you doing wolf sometime and change it into woof. That will never happen, I guarantee you. That is the worst. Anyway, as he's telling his wife, you know, be careful out there kind of thing. He he used Chinese in there too, so. 
Uh, okay, so the Alliance cruiser ship shows up as they're, you know, getting into the, you know, they're scavenging the ship, which I don't really understand why that scene is such a terrible thing, but I guess the Alliance maybe has rules about, you know, derelict ships and what you can claim off of them. I don't know. It just seems weird, like, if there's a ship floating around out there and it's, and nobody's claimed it, why, why couldn't you be able to go up and take it? I, I, yeah. Uh, well, I was under the assumption that uh, if that ever happens, it's the alliances. <laughs> right, right. So. Because they seem, uh, yeah, like it's, like, oh my gosh, uh, the, these people are, they're, they're scavenging this ship. <laughs> Release the hounds, yeah. you know, so to speak, and really go after them. It just seemed like. You know, a little bit of an overreaction for people who are just scavenging. In, in in American territorial waters, it's something that's policed incredibly heavily. There are very specific rules around how you scavenge. You have to like file paperwork that you intend to go out and salvage. So it's the difference mm. between salvaging and scavenging. So if, if it's a salvage operation, you filed your paperwork. The Coast Guard knows you're going to be out there. And if you're caught out there taking stuff off of a sunken ship that you haven't filed the paperwork... They'll pursue you pretty hard. Well, I think I think it makes sense in in that uh, like there would be some kind of law like uh, okay, someone's going from point A to point B. They're hit by reavers. They have engine trouble. Whatever. They're actually delivering something specific. Um, right. There's okay. some kind good, of international and intergalactic insurance about that. Probably done by alliance and. They probably take the, the most property of the still has some sort of possession. Yeah, yeah, and there is a bureaucracy that's involved with it, and they probably. That, that may profit off of something like that, I, mm. I imagine. Uh, good point, John. Good point. At any rate, the, one of the points that I wanted to indicate is that that Alliance cruiser that comes along is unlike any type of ship yeah. I've ever really seen in sci-fi. It, it looks it's, like a city block floating yeah, down the street. It looks like, you know, high-rise <laughs> buildings just floating along, along through space. It, you guys, uh, th this last time I watched it, um, when I watched it a couple nights ago, I watched it uh, with the commentary, the Joss Whedon commentary. And that's actually exactly what he said. He oh. wanted it to look kind of like a city. He wanted to kind of break the idea of like what a, a ship would look like. And he, and he said specifically um, when it shows like uh, independent ships or like the, the Firefly. Uh, they look like animals. The, the Serenity. There's a, yeah, there's, there's more kind of an organic, organic yeah. kind of look. Um, kind of a rounded, kind of a, 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 a flat kind of look. In the actual like way it's filmed is more handheld, um, whereas, like, with the, the filming of the Alliance and the actual look, it's like they're supposed to be kind of square, because they're Angular literally, they're, and... like, they're square, they're squares, they're kind of the dorky Alliance, and that's how it's yeah. supposed to be perceived. Yeah, and they're kind of an antiseptic mm -hmm. kind of look to them, too. Yeah. Clean. Yeah. Um, okay, so they, uh, they hump it back to the ship, and they set off the crybaby. I think that's a genius idea. Yeah. Why haven't we been doing this? There's got to be some way for our military to be using this at some point I, I, to like indicate, oh, there's some sort of radar sensor out in this area. What makes you think we're not? <laughs> Good point. Good point. Anyway, I like the crybaby. I do like the crybaby. But we skipped over one of my favorite characters. Actually, I would say my personal favorite character, <clears throat> which is Kaylee, the, the, the engineer. Oh, I would thought we'd get to Kaylee a little bit later, but Kaylee's she, she, fine she's, she's introduced when when they need to go dark, and he mm -hmm. tells Kaylee, you know, get yeah. down in the engine room, we got to go dark. And so Jewel State, I think, 
she has the same kind of Felicia Day quality where I wouldn't call her a beautiful woman, but something about the character of Kaylee and, and the way Jewel State plays the character, she became very hot to me over the course of the series. I think it's the way she ate the strawberry that turned me around. <laughs> it may have been. Yeah. Like I said, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. But, you know, she's not what you would call like a, a classically beautiful woman. But she becomes very hot over the course of this series, and I, I find myself very attracted. She to always works for me way more than uh, Zoe. Oh, I would agree, way more than Zoe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we're both racist. Of course, there is. <laughs> I guess a... we are now. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so before. Both of those characters are moot because of another character that we have yet to talk about. Uh, at least in my opinion. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, we'll we'll get, we'll get there. there. We will get there. Uh, apparently they have artificial gravity. They, you know, they come on board the ship, and as soon as they have atmosphere, they also have gravity. Or they don't, you know, have a budget to. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody floating around in every episode, every single episode, yeah. <laughs> Could be, but uh, you know, we get the sense here that Mal really is still fighting the Civil War. Yeah, I think he's he's still pretty angry and doesn't like the fact that he has to be a scavenger. Yeah. But this is the life that he is now left with. He's well, not happy with I, it. I get the sense, and maybe I'm the only one that gets the sense, but as they're coming on board the ship and they're like, oh, wow, that was a close one. We got away with it. Mal seems almost like he wanted to get, I mean, he's angry. And I get mm-hmm. the, I read that as, I wanted to get caught because I wanted to fight. I wanted to pick a fight with the Alliance here. And I'm, I'm I don't know. upset that we had to turn tail and run. Yet again, I'm running from the Alliance. No, I didn't get that. Okay. Maybe. I just feel like he turns and runs from everything. <laughs> Which is what Jane brings out several times. And we get to hear awesome theme song. Okay. The music intro. I love that music intro. I do too. You don't. Did do I you? say I didn't? I thought, I have a memory when we watched it with the girls. That you're like, eh, I don't know if it's that great. Uh, uh, maybe at that Maybe it was just a... Re- <laughs> you were just wanting to be opposite or uh, contradictory to me. Yeah, it was just a reaction yeah. to the strength of your passion for it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is that, fair. That might have something to do with it. Uh, I, I think it's it's like one of those things where like the first time I heard it, I'm like, uh, it's, it is something I have have a fondness for now. It, it, I grew into it, I would say. With I'm sure with all of you, when you have when you're watching your show and they have their you know little intro music thing, yeah, most of the days they're short now. Mm-hmm. But I fast forward through almost all of mine. Yeah, I do. Firefly, I want to listen through the whole thing. Yeah, that's true. I I, I I'm like kind it of the same way. Like it comes up, I'm like, all right, yeah, here we go. Yep. Kick back, you know, <laughs> uh, do a little banjo jam, and just kind of ease into, okay, we're going to have some fun with some people I love, yeah. It, uh, it took me a while to like it, though. Mm-hmm. The, the first few times, I was like, oh, this is so odd, it was weird, this is, I'm not used to hearing this. I like the way he mixes the sound into the whole entire show, actually. Mm-hmm. He uses that, yeah. that laid-back music at times of, like, incredible stressful tension in the episode. And it's this very, like, the counterpoint between the music and what's going on on mm-hmm. screen. I think very, very, very interesting use of the music. It, it does a, a really good job in getting the kind of the uh, Old West sense that we're dealing with the people Wild West on thing. a frontier yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, and, and so it really helps us think of that. And, and you know, just the whole, the cowboy, I, I, I've talked to a lot of people who haven't liked Firefly because they can't get into the whole, like, what is it, the cowboy show or is it a space show? Um, and I think he does, I, to me, presenting to me, obviously not presenting to everybody, but he does a good job of presenting to me as like, you know what, this would be kind of how it is. I, yeah, I, that's the same thing I was thinking, because mm-hmm. when we watched Star Trek The Next Generation, or I, I don't know if in the original series they ever talked about people who, you know, they came to this brand new planet, they're going yeah. to start up a colony here. It always seemed Industrial. almost invariably very orderly run. Yeah. yeah. Everything just was perfectly laid out and planned, and maybe that's the way it would have been if they had followed the rules of the Alliance. Mm-hmm. Most likely not. But it is similar to the Old West, where it's kind of lawless and everybody's just like, hey, we're just going to feel out our own boundaries here and it's going to be rough and it's not going to be... There's no safety social net yeah, the, to, to protect everybody. Joss Whedon, like, specifically when the, like toward the end of the episode when uh, he said he gets a lot of flack you know, because they show up on horses to meet him, he's like... Hey, they're, they just got there on the planet. There aren't going to be roads. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, horses seem would be a good idea, a good way to go. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't try and invent some new creature. <laughs> like yeah. some CGI thing. Yeah. You're like, That's a good point. What, that, what is that? But, uh, it's good that they didn't, because I think... Uh, they're not riding wampas around. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they took the, um, the sort of uh, red dwarf approach. when Like the idea of the red dwarf universe, I think... Uh, if I understand the Red Dwarf universe, every life form, everything in Red Dwarf is based on Earth. There are no outside aliens. It's the same way with Firefly. Everything, you know, comes from us. It's not a show about finding new life and aliens. It's about finding us, and so yeah. it doesn't it doesn't go out of that. Hmm. Good. Okay, so we've got a couple of new people to introduce here. Kaylee, which you just brought up, Joey. She's going to be the ship's engineer, uh, or mechanic, yeah. if you will. Uh, then we have Jane, who is <laughs> hired for conversation. PR. PR, yeah. PR, that's what it was. That's the line. Uh, anyway, he's the muscle. He's just a dude that likes to go and shoot and kill things. And he's interested in money. Yep. There is... What you see in the character of Jane... Is all there is. I, I, I hope I'm not destroying anything by hoping, you know, somehow down the line... Uh, they will develop into this complex personality? No, not ever going to happen. <laughs> so he actually, a one-note guy. Whenever we play Dungeons and Dragons together, I always imagine Pete's characters as Jane. Yes. That's basically who you're trying yes. to play. <laughs> yes, almost. A little nicer of a person. <laughs> but yes, it is... Uh, almost predominantly what I'm going for in my characters. Um, Adam Baldwin kind of... I mean, he does a great job of playing... That role? That role. Because he does a very similar role... On Chuck. On Chuck. Yeah. And I haven't seen a ton of other stuff that he's done, but I would imagine he'd be able to pull that off just fine. (laughs) It's it's uh, Joss Whedon in in the commentary mentioned that when... He was directing um, Adam Baldwin for the first time. It didn't quite click until he said, "Okay, you know what? You're in, in your mind. You're you're Mal. You are Mal. <laughs> um, at least, or at least, uh, like Jane 
thinks he's Mal, and so play him like that. Play him like he's the most important person in the room. He's the smartest person in the room. Yet, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. He is, I'll just go ahead and spoil it now, he is my favorite character. Really? Jane? Yes. Okay. There are others that I wish that we had gotten a story on, but he is, he's my favorite one. I enjoy him so much in, in everything that happens in this entire series. I think he's great. Uh, and then we have Ambassador Inara. Gosh, no. Whore. Whore. <laughs> Prostitute. So the proper name this, is Companion. This is the one you think makes Kaylee and Zoe moot, is Inara? As far as looks Or were you go. saving it for Badger? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not fair. That's terrible. Well, he didn't say yes. <laughs> Badger's not bad. But. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, just, I just think... Uh, what's her name? Mar- Marina Bakarin. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, the actress's name, yeah. So the note I made is... Personally, Inara does nothing for me, although she was pretty believable as the head alien in the new version of V. <laughs> she just doesn't that 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 look doesn't do anything for me. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. I I think she's pretty. She she I, is very attractive. Mm-hmm. Definitely very attractive. Uh I would not kick her out of bed for eating chips. <laughs> Isn't that how the phrase goes? I don't know. I feel like there's a phrase like that. <laughs> anyway, uh there's definitely a a little relationship between Mal and Inara, and there's definitely conflict between the two of them, mm-hmm. as neither one of them treats the other one with any amount of respect. Yeah. Um, which uh, makes for a very awkward scene when she is introduced to Shepard Book, um, who is going to be a passenger aboard there. Now, Shepard Book is the one that I wish that I had gotten the story about. Yeah. And. I'll cover a little bit more about him in the movie uh, because there is a backstory to Shepard Book that has been put out in through the comics. Oh, okay. I didn't know they ever got to that. They did. You know, I, a very I'll, interesting... I'll cover I, it there. I read an interview with Jewel State, actually, where she said, you know, every issue of the Serenity comic that comes out, I just flip to the end and then I start going backwards until I can see that Kaylee's still alive and then that's it. That's, that's good enough for me. So I'm always worried that he's going to kill me off. <laughs> Came pretty close to this episode. Um, okay, so we meet Badger, which uh, Brainy Smurf had introduced us to um, in this. Uh, he's a slime ball. Yeah. He deals in illegal goods and apparently human trafficking. I assume he was had purchased that woman and was interested in her teeth. Um, and uh, he and Mal uh, conflict there. Yeah. Mal likes his hat. Uh, I like the uh, the camera work they do as Mal's leaving. They do a I can't remember what that kind of fade is called. You know you know what I'm talking about where the where they go in and out at the same time. Yes, in and out at the same time. There's a name for that technique. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. And they and they they normally when they do it, they do it a lot slower. This they do it really fast. I mean, the camera is is moving back really fast while they zoom in as, as the two guys are parting, and you get it from both angles, which I'm I'm sure was nightmarish to set that scene up. Mm. But I love the effect that it gives right there as as Mal turns and storms out of the room. Yeah. Like, like, physically and mentally, just gone. Just yep. out of there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, at any rate, they can't get rid of the cargo, so Mal's in a bit of a pickle. He's expended all of this energy to get this thing that he can't move at all. And uh, it's because he has a... He sees that it's imprinted. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know what it is at this point. Because it just kind of looks like this bar. Like it could be, you know, some sort of precious, precious metal. metal. Yeah. It looks That's like what I thought gold it was. Gold pressed latinum? It, yeah, I was going to say, it looks like gold pressed latinum. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of when I saw I was like, hey, it's gold pressed latinum. Apparently that's important. Uh, you know, we while Mal is off talking to Badger, we see Kaylee, what I call wooing Shepard Book, trying yes. to get him to come be a passenger on her ship. That scene between those two actors and those characters is one of the highlights of this episode for me. Hmm. You know, you, you get to hear Kaylee just bubbling over with the love she has for the ship Serenity. And and you get to see Book as he's trying she, to... She figures out Book. Yeah, she does. And, and, and she, he's trying to come back into the world. And, and he's showing us, you know, hey, I, you know, I've been off in this monastery for a long time. And... and just very subtle things that they do in the interplay between those two characters that I think is one of the best parts of this particular episode. Yeah, I enjoy the dialogue between the two of them because she's basically saying, you're not looking to see where this is going at all. She's like, why? And his response is, because how you get there is the worthier part, uh, which shows the depth to, to this particular character that, you know, there's something more to him and he's interested in a more apparently elevated sphere of, of existence. Yeah. But my favorite part of the conversation uh, is... Uh, is it, uh, Before the conversation, the other guy kind of tries to get Book to come along. He's like, uh, yeah, no, come with us, Grandpa. It's yeah. Like, I never got married. It's like, what? Excuse me? I'm not a grandfather. You know, because that, <laughs> that was the insult. That, yeah. like, I was like, I'm not dealing with this guy. He called me Grandpa. So he walks away... He meets he meets Kaylee. She totally wins him over. They're in this relationship. At the end, she said, "Okay, well, welcome aboard, Grandpa." <laughs> he says, "I never married." He's like, "I never." And by that time, like he he treats the same line in a completely different way. He's like, "Well, I'm already in it, but she's won me over, so I'm not going to be insulted yeah. this time around." Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Uh, we have a brief mention of Reavers. Yeah. Which uh, ominous. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Selling goods to someone else. Oh, they they need, they decide they've got to figure out who they're going to sell these goods to. Um, you know, what they're going to do. So they decide that they're going to see if they can fence them off to somebody else. Um, they mentioned someone named Patience. Then we meet Simon Tam. <laughs> hmm. Pretty boy. So the person I was watching this with immediately said, Okay, so he's the bad guy? <laughs> well done, Joss. <laughs> I, I would throw him... He's in contention with uh, um, with Inara, as far as the most beautiful person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, and then there's some other guy who comes aboard the ship who ends up being the Fed. Yes. And that guy, that actor, always... I don't know who he is. He always seems to play dirtbags. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. like... Not someone you would ever look up to. Yeah. I just feel like he's cornered the market on that. <laughs> uh, so they're all eating, having dinner, and, and Jane starts kind of getting a little mouthy against Kaylee. And I, and we get to see Mal use what I call the voice of command. 
get up and walk away from the table right now. I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty obvious that if it came to fisticuffs, Jane is going to beat the living daylights out of Mal. Um, but, you know, Jane has, for some reason, he has some degree of respect for the captain of the ship. Even though, you know, he clearly thinks he can take him in a fight, but when he's told, you know what, you get up you walk away from this table right yeah. now, he does it. And, and I think part of it is the, the way that Mal, as a commander, uses his voice right there. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, now, the one of the things they make a big deal about is the fact that they're fresh vegetables and fruit. Yes. Which is, a, like, apparently huge a huge, deal. you know, it's, it's a rare thing that you would get this. Now, otherwise, it's basically protein supplements. <laughs> protein supplements in all your various colors yeah. uh, that are available I, I, on the I, ship. I'm, I'm assuming silent red, silent <laughs> white, and silent green. <laughs> Well, why not? Um, anyway, there's no way those strawberries stay that perfect in that little wooden box. By the way, <laughs> if it he, would have if, been bruised. If he had just picked them, they could have. I was home for uh, my nephew's wedding, and I got to eat sh- fresh strawberries. Strawberries that had been picked. I'm almost certain about an hour before I showed up, and it was as awesome. As what she made it look like. <laughs> I'm telling you. There's just something about getting them right okay. that soon after picking. Not having, you know, been on a boat from Chile uh, for the last month or so. Well, we always grew strawberries growing up, growing up. But I guess maybe as an adult I would appreciate it more then. Because as a kid, <laughs> we just go out and pick them and just eat them until we got sick, you know? <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, Earth... That was. Yep, I had that so too. So this is a first introduction to the fact that we've spread out in so apparently so far into the universe that maybe we seem to have lost. I don't know if Earth is lost, like we don't know where it's at anymore, or if it's a matter of Earth is just kind of like it out. It, we outgrew it, and I, it, I, it's I, sort I of maybe been that it was destroyed. Yeah, maybe, but it's kind of a big mystery and. I don't remember if we ever fully I don't think get it's an ever explanation. Discussed. Yeah, I, I don't know which conversation you guys are talking about right now. When did they say that? Uh, They're sitting around din- the dinner at table. At the dinner table, they okay. mentioned you know Earth that was, and that's the only phrase that's used. They don't go in and talk any more about anything specific. It's just Earth that was. Yeah. Uh, let's see here: border colonies, uh, and then I move into Kaylee gets shot. Wow, I, I know a few other things happened. <laughs> well, in my opinion, like the 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 one thing this episode definitely could have done without is the scene of Anara washing herself. I don't think that was the scene couldn't do without. I think this episode mean? would have been better without oh. that scene. I think it's Fox, and I think that they were trying to um, entice and titillate. Okay, and yes, I used the word titillate. <laughs> I don't think it was Fox. Once again, I'm throwing back the uh, the commentary on this because I think they didn't want that, but mm. it's something that Whedon wanted. Oh, really? Um, so Whedon's the pervert here. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, he told a story about how like they were they did, it was like one of the first things that she had to film like for the show like at all. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor girl. <laughs> and so they were kind of making fun. It was like, ah, we're gonna make you do that again tomorrow. But there was something wrong with the lens, and they actually did have to make her do it again. They actually kind of filmed the scene three times. Uh, and according to, <laughs> oops, <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, oops was in quotes yeah, there. Yeah. 
but I, I guess, you know, he wanted to have it in just because it, to show her ritual after she's been insulted. Like, it's her kind of rebirth, considering, like, what she does. She kind of has to do oh, this kind of... I thought she was just taking a bath. I... Yeah. And, I mean, that's how I would have read it if I didn't, you know, see okay. the thing. Like... Seems a terribly awkward way to take a bath, because she was just... It looks like she just dropped her top and started bathing yeah. herself. And it's just going to get water, like, all over yeah. whatever clothes that, you know, she was sitting in... <laughs> It, it's probably, I imagine, it, it's, she does it that way because that's the way she would bathe someone else. Mm-hmm. In like, Maybe. A, a kind of a, a, companion a traditional like, kind of companion service kind of way, like in a, in her method of caring. And so, this is her method of kind of self-caring to do it the same way to herself. Interesting. We're definitely led to believe that the choice that she has chosen to be a companion, which is... I would term very similar to, like, what a geisha, mm-hmm. I imagine, is, you know, but a lot more lustier. It's very okay. Like, that's not looked down upon in society. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's kind of a higher class of of employment to, to be able to be a companion. Yep. So my question I wanted to ask to you was, are you okay with that? I mean... How do you how do you feel about the concept? <laughs> Are you okay with prostitution? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> with the concept that there's a there there's this society where it's not it's not something that women do out of desperation, but it's something that women do willingly and gladly, and they enjoy it and aspire to it. Yes, aspire. Right. It's a good way to say Be- because it. Because we're it. we're going to see a future episode where we do meet. Actual whores. Right. People who who aren't companions. Right. These are people who like are just house. selling their bodies. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've always been uh, in favor of the, you know, ending the hypocrisy one way or another as far as, like, prostitution and pornography. Like, make a decision. W- right. w- which is it going to be here? I mean, they're really, they're the exact same act. That you're performing here, except we got a camera in one of them. Um, but it, on the other sense, the the part of me that feels that the body is a holy and pure thing, it kind of feels like that you're defiling, you know, that thing that God has created to to house your soul, and to do an act or acts like that would be uh, a defilement of it, making it impure. I kind of, I kind of think, I don't know if this is the way like Joss Whedon feels, but um, it, it's it's used in a good way. Like in our society, prostitution is kind of considered like a, a negative, mm-hmm. kind of looked down upon, kind of sort of a criminal kind of activity. Yeah. And um, he's using this, and he's using, uh, and and Mal kind of sees it like our way is showing like, okay, just because something's legal doesn't make it moral. Right. Um, and because, you know, we, we see Mal, like, be very specific about this. And, you know, everyone is just like, oh, no, no, this is, this is normal. And, you know, we can kind of take it, you know, in, in our day today. I mean, a lot of people would, uh, I mean, like, like, look at different cultures as far as, like, modesty goes. We, uh, you know, in the United States, uh, you know, we are scandally clad as far as women goes. 
and uh, we like would term like someone like in in like a like a Muslim region, you know, wearing the whole burka, burka thing, is like they're they're savages because look, they clothe their women. Whereas we undress our women, we we've got it. You know, we have obviously we know better, and that's kind of how yeah, the people we're in more this society are enlightened yeah. because of it. The people in this type, they're like we're enlightened because prostitution. It's a great thing. It's something we aspire to. It's something that we you know should should all do, and that's that's the way we should deal ourselves. And I don't maybe he's not saying that, but I mean that's I think that's one way to to kind okay. of look at it, like from I, here. I, I wonder if that society is one in which. The ultra-rich have decided, I want to indulge in this thing, and I don't want it to be a taboo anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to create this class of companion, and... And they just culturally indoctrinated everyone yes, yeah, to accept it? Yes. To the point that, okay, this is finally okay, and it's all right, and no one's going to think less of us because of it. And it's only going to be the very rich who can ever truly afford a companion anyway. Right. So... That's my theory. That's that's a good theory. And I'm sure we've come down pretty, I think, conservative on this whole issue as far. I'm sure there are tons of Firefly watchers who are like, finally, the future, (laughs) they get it. (laughs) That's the way it's supposed to be. Like, let loose of this taboo. Like, this is the ideal kind of thing. Well, let's open it up to our listeners. What do you guys think? Uh, Should we see more companions in our society today? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's see here. Oh, yeah, my next note is Kaylee gets shot. Yeah, okay, so can we talk? (laughs) Someone's going to have to go. Somebody else, please. The Uh, the Reavers came in earlier, right? We have to mention them. Joey? I did mention the fact that someone made a verbal mention. No, the Reavers Reavers. don't come up yet. But did they come up before Kaylee gets shot? Don't they? No, No. it's after. No, sorry, it is after. Okay. Um, So... You have Mal jump to the conclusion that Simon is the one who sent out this signal yes. to tell the Alliance where they are. He goes down and he confronts him, and it, you know that's when we find out. Oh no, it's it's the other guy, the guy who is you know the klutz or whatever. Um, the idea of projectile weapons on a spaceship—I just have an issue with that. Well, I agree, but. I'm assuming that... Uh, if you willingly give up yours, there's no guarantee they're yeah. going to give up theirs kind of thing. Oh, well, that's, a good, like, that's a good point, John. I, I was just going to say, I bet the hole's probably got to be really thick to be able to withstand, like, a little bullet. I mean, I, that's got to okay, be, what, okay, a 38 so, slug or maybe okay, a 44? Okay, so let's, let's, say, let's, say that it, let's say that the hole is strong enough to contain the bullet. That thing's going to be ricocheting around yeah. in there for a good little while. Until it finds some nice, fleshy uh, surface with which to embed. a horrible idea on so many levels. But I, I really like Mal's reaction as he realizes, oh, you want the doctor? He's like, oh, hey, say, is there a reward? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Great scene. Uh, oh, oh, oh the, the doctor. Hey, is there any kind of reward? <laughs> Uh, okay, now does Kaylee get shot? Yes. So the Fed turns out, I mean, he's really just a sleazy guy. Yeah. He, you know, it completely turns on ear what we are, what we all think about, you know, police officers or law enforcement, which is they're good. Yeah. They are helpful. Yes, Joey, stop looking paranoid. I, I, I I'm just, you said what we all think. Uh, 
Okay, Joey hates the law enforcement that's community not, that, as that a whole. Not what that's I said. Exactly what he just said. But I, I would certainly, uh, I might say that. <laughs> I would certainly say, I I have had my share of experiences with law enforcement officials that this guy would not have been out of place among. Okay, Joey met the one percent. Because <laughs> um, I'm a 99 percenter. <laughs> uh, anyway, he is, and he's terrible. He's like, you know, I, I don't really care. I've got the authority here. I'm going to do whatever I want. And he's also pretty scared, and he just lashes out with a bullet, and Kaylee picks it up in her gut. And, uh, and she's trying to get everybody not to yell at each other right <laughs> after she got shot. Then Book, uh, Shepherd Book, he beats up the Fed. Yep. Slaps him around real good. How does how does a shepherd have such awesome kung fu moves? He got uh, it by wrestling with temptation. <laughs> I, I, a, I just I just assume that every one. religion has their monastery where you learn kung fu. <laughs> 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 I don't know what Mormon kung fu looks like, but I hope to find out someday. <laughs> Problem solved. Thank you, Joey, for clearing that up for me. You are absolutely right on that. I mean, it probably was a Chinese monastery. That would actually explain a lot about Shepherd Book. No, no, no. It was one of those kind of monasteries, you know, the Kung Fu ones. Uh, anyway, the uh, Simon, he's like, I can save her, but you have to run. Yeah. You, you've got to do it. Otherwise, I'm going to let her die. I'm okay with that. Really? Yeah. You don't feel like, uh, I mean, it's his duty as... A medical personnel? said duty. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I did. I think it's against his duty as a medical person. person. Dope. I just ruined that word. Yes, you did. His obligation? How's that? Okay, we'll go. We'll Responsibility. Go Responsibility. I don't know what kind of Hippocratic oath exists in this world, but uh, it's, you know, we'll, I think we'll just assume it's... Well, a, yeah, it, Mal seems to get pretty, like floored by the fact that he wouldn't do anything about it so it must to some degree whether they call it the hippocratic oath or not yeah. Yeah, there seems to be some well, look, unwritten this guy has rule. thrown away every other moral and and legal procedure that has affected him i mean he was a a perfectly good citizen he was a model citizen right until he found out what they were doing which we'll find out here in a little bit he has thrown away everything else already i i see no reason to believe that the Hippocratic Oath is the one step too far for his character. That, and, and that's what I was going to say. I, I, think, I think he overstepped the Hippocratic Oath, but I totally understand. I would have done it. It's within his character still. Like yeah, the yeah. character of Simon Tam. Yes. It, it's consistent with what the decisions he's made thus far. Um, so okay. he saves Kaylee. Saves Kaylee, and then he starts to explain who his sister is. Uh, so meet, we, meet River Town. Yes. We never opened. Did we talk about opening the box? No, we didn't. No, not really. Okay. Yeah. Well, they opened the box. They opened the box. Yeah. So the, my, my first note here involving River is XKCD number three hundred eleven. <laughs> remember this one? <laughs> I think I do. She's going around beating everybody up. Well, so it's like it's they're they're, talk, they're walking down the street. Two of the XKCD characters are talking about how the movie. Uh, what was it? Die Hard, the Die Hard Four, it says you know, oh man, that, what an action movie. And the guy says, no, that was that was way too talky. 
Like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Die Hard 4 was too talking He's like, yeah, just once I want a real action movie. 30 seconds of exposition, followed by a perfect 90-minute action scene. <laughs> One with a huge budget, good choreographer, and a great director, and they should center it around some character we already know, someone we never get tired of watching, and the plot coming this summer. River Tam beats up everyone. <laughs> uh, the... I, I can I can recommend it's River Tam's not in it, but I can recommend a movie that kind of fulfills those qualities. <laughs> uh, it, it's called uh, it's called The Raid, and I think they renamed it The Raid Redemption. And it's uh, a British director like took it to Indonesia, and the plot is a SWAT team goes to this apartment building because there's a crime boss who lives there. Awesome! And... Please tell me they have to go floor by floor like a video game. They have to go floor by floor, <laughs> like yes. a video game, to take this guy. Because all the tenants are also, like, they're under his employ. Like, and all crime people from out of town get to stay in the building for free. <laughs> and so that's what the movie is. Um, and uh, it, it was, you know, I, I can't, I don't think we'd be able to talk about anything about the movie, but it is an awesome movie. <laughs> I'll have to check that one out. <laughs> But, you know, Summer Glau is just perfect in this role. Okay. Now, here's something that I'm a little, I feel a little awkward, a little creeped out about. The the character is supposed to be this 17-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that what, we knew what age she was. She but... was young. Okay. She was very young. I actually didn't know she was that old. You thought she was younger than I thought her. she was like 15 or something. Oh. I couldn't remember how old she was. It even works worser? Better? Yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, obviously Summer Glau is not... 17 years old. Yes. <laughs> but she clearly has the body of someone who looks very young. And so when they open the chest up, it's sort of like, uh, sh- sh- should I be looking at this? Should I not be looking at this? Because basically you get a side view of a naked you know, woman in this chest, you know, all curled up in a fetal position. It's sort of like, do I... Visually, my eyes. <laughs> uh, you know, ogle this this girl, or do I, you know, stay with the the actual plot that's going on here? And oh, that's that's a teenager. <laughs> I should cover that up. Uh, you know, I never, I, I never, I never sexualized it in the show, but I didn't think she was supposed to be that young either. So I don't know if that would change my my. I, I just thought, you know, she's just whatever age summer girl is, like in her mid twenties somewhere, right? Hmm. Um, but. You know, I, after watching Firefly, you know, it turns out I'll watch Summer Glau in just about anything, including the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which were terrible. Mm, yeah. But I watched it because Summer Glau is Summer Glau, and I like to see Summer Glau. She's a good I'm actress. I'm not that impressed with her. I, I'm not that impressed with her, but I, I like watching the... She plays the one role all the time, and she does it well, and I enjoy it. Uh, she was in Angel. I don't know. She was a ballerina. Aaron told me that. Yeah. I, okay. I have to take okay. Word for it. Okay. Uh, well, because I just I know we. She was picks, like a ghost or something. People from. Yes. He recycles like, his characters. Yeah. Or he actors. Does. Uh, okay. So anyway, River. Uh, sorry. Um, Simon basically explains who his sister is. Yeah. And you know, basically, she's this brilliant person that everything comes so incredibly natural to, and he starts to explain. Look, I'm a genius. I am, like, ahead of the curve in so many different areas. I did all of these things 
so ridiculously fast. I say that not to toot my own horn, but to tell you she makes me look like an idiot child. Which is a shame because everybody else sees her as this like like schizoid yeah. kind of person. Yeah. Uh, as a result of, you know, the, the things that were done to her. Um, so, she's supposed to be this genius, amazing woman. Yeah. Girl. Mal decides that he's going to ditch Simon and River as soon as they get to Persephone. Or, I'm sorry, to White White Falls or White, what was it called? The planet. White Castle. White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have the wrong movie there. <laughs> but, uh, and, and Inara tries to bluff him into backing down. Says, you know what, if you kick them off, I'm gone too. And he calls it. He says, well, you know what? Maybe you should go. This is never your kind of thing anyway. Uh, and, and this is where we first start to get the, the sense of how Mal tries to push everyone away. He, he has trouble with, with closeness with people. Except for Zoe, for some reason, that, that bond there. I don't know if it's because they literally went through a war together or what. But he, uh, anybody other than Zoe has a tendency to, to try and push them away from him. All right, so we've got a couple of Jane uh, quotes that I want to make sure we cover. Okay. Uh, first off, which is uh, they're going to go and question the Fed, uh, which I don't think we ever get the guy's name. Anyway, they're going to question yeah, him. Yeah, we do. It's O'Brien or something like that. Okay. And uh, Mal brings Jane into that room. He's like, okay, you're, uh, Jane's going to be the one who interrogates you. And he says, he was nonspecific as to how, as he pulls out this you know, monstrous <laughs> Big old knife. knife. Uh, and then as the guy caves and is like, oh, yeah, okay, fine, I'll tell you whatever, he's like, ah, oh, yeah. And I was getting to get me a damn ear. <laughs> so he's upset about the fact that, you know. He was robbed of his chance. Th this guy doesn't know anything at all, really. Uh, okay, Reavers. Okay. And this is the first real introduction we get of how awful and terrible the Reavers are. I loved the music in this set. The suspense gets amped up huge. Yes. And uh, I think it was Inara who says... No, Zoe. Zoe, they, it's like, they eat our flesh. So here's what she says. If they take the ship, they'll rape us to death, eat our flesh, and sew our skins into their clothing. And if we're very, very lucky, they'll do it in that order. Yeah. I think that's a, a good example of... of Telling, not showing, and done very well. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you, you don't want to see that shown? It's, it's, uh... <laughs> I, well, I do, but... I mean, <laughs> For different reasons. But yeah. Dobson, by the way, is the agent. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I... Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, we don't really see the Reavers, but just through them talking, it, yeah, they do and, a pretty good yeah. job. Yeah, and the, and the ship that slowly passes by them. You know, and the, the tension they show in that scene... Uh-huh. Uh, the way, and again, the way they use the music and everything, to me, this is what the scene between Kirk and Nero? Khan, oh, Khan is yeah. supposed to be in Star Trek Two. Star Trek II. The when, Khan? when they have the submarine kind of episode mm. scene between the two, where they're both blind and mm. kind of floating around. Wait, submarine, isn't that the one with the whales? No. Um... <laughs> Anyway, like I think that's what they were going for in that movie, but Whedon does it, in my opinion, so much better here. I really get that sense of tension, whereas in the movie, I, would, I, would, I never really kind of. I would hope got that they it. would. I mean, th graphically, it looks better. 
And I think camera-wise, like the technology itself that we have to use now, you get a better shot of, of the, the actors. Um, I, I think it should be better at this point. Well, I... We all turn to John here because uh, we're like basically saying, yeah... Defend, it, defend it, your it, show, John. Isn't uh, Wrath of Khan really crappy how they do things, you know? <laughs> It's the sixth best movie ever made. Uh, I I appreciated the tension in it. Um, Firefly, it's it's okay. It's pretty good. That man's psychotic. As uh, Mal plays that terrible joke on Simon. It's funny for us, but that was immoral to do. <laughs> it was it's really mean. Yeah. Really mean. Well, come on. It is nothing different than what Pete does to me all the time. All the time. He tells he tells you people die? No. He's just he's always verbally abusive to me. I don't know. It's really I would put it in the same league of jokes. But you know, whatever. It's just classic to see the the horror then cutting away to them all laughing on the bridge the, at that the joke. The film techniques of taking of taking what Mal said as truth. This is what happened, and we know that's what happened because it's in slow motion, because of the music swells, <laughs> because of the reaction of everybody else, and then just to completely reverse all of that on that us. Awesome. That yeah. was great. Really good. Uh, okay, so we get to meet patients, and uh, the, the feeling is, okay, yeah, we'll trade, and they turn off the, the video screen, and I believe that woman is fixing to shoot me again. Uh, so they realize it's going to be a trap, and so they start to prepare uh, thusly. Um, so the, uh, the, the Fed escapes, and I, I feel like I'm maybe jumping ahead again. Uh, uh, Shepard comes to, book, book comes to warn him, and then yeah. he attacks yeah, and gets away. hits him over the head with a canister of some sort multiple times. Multiple times. <laughs> and the guy just has, I mean, he's got a cut there, but there would be an awful lot of swelling, I feel like. <laughs> I don't know what kind of person you have to be to, like, knock someone on the head after they're knocked out. <laughs> That's not a good person. <laughs> Look, it's, it's, it's the like ender strategy of winning a fight. You make sure they never come back at you. <laughs> It sure looked like he killed him. It did. It really like, did. The, I mean, I would think, and I mean, if you're going to knock someone down while they're unconscious, you may as well actually kill him. I don't know how he didn't, but ugh, that's it's gross. It's it's, it's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, it's disturbing. Um, okay, so let's talk about this cargo here, which we come to find out the cargo is really foodstuffs. Yeah, you know, it's it's some sort of you know med medicinal supplement food stuff like one bar itself will you know keep a family alive for a month a month says. they yeah. say okay longer if, than that if you don't like your kids too much <laughs> so if, if, if one of those bars could keep someone alive for a month what would that do to someone's digestive system if they just took a bite like like what's her name Persephone? patients, yeah. patients yeah. did yeah it, uh, it seems like <laughs> It's like, uh, yeah, and then she drinks a water, and then her stomach explodes. <laughs> I don't know. Great question. I, I didn't get the sense that they're, like, compressed in any way. It's not, like, freeze-dried. <laughs> it, it's just that, Maybe I mean, she just got a, an awful lot of nutrition and medicine in her system, like, yeah. all at once. 
Like she's going to be so ridiculously healthy, healthy for the next. Yeah, it's, it's like taking a you know half a bottle of multivitamins all at once. That's that's how that's how she didn't die when a horse fell. <laughs> of course, on. I don't know. You can't die of vitamin poisoning, so <laughs> she might die. John's got a good point. Yeah. Um, okay. So if this stuff is supposedly quote unquote imprinted, and we saw what patients did with it. Couldn't they just reform it into something that that isn't imprinted any longer? Because it looked to me like when we first see it, when we all think it's, you know, some hard mineral, some metal, you know, precious metal. It's like a stamp. It's a, yeah, it's some sort of stamp that you can't get out of it. But really, that's just the container that's holding the stuff. Well, they never... I think I know. It's, uh, if you're dealing with foodstuffs, um... Kind of like in today, if certain seals are broken, there's no way you're reselling that. Uh, And so I think, you know, they kind of have their sample one that they they look at, but all of the other ones, if they've been tampered with in any way, no one's going to buy anything, any food, because, like, okay, this has been tampered with. I don't know what you've done to this, but I'm not not purchasing it for my people. That's a really good point. You know, I I had a different perspective on it. Mm. When Badger says it's been... What does he call it? He doesn't, he doesn't say stamped. What does he say? I can't remember. Anyway, he says every molecule of it. I took that literally. If you take gold, for example, any, any tiny, the tiniest amount of gold, you take it and you do GC mass spectrometer on it, you can tell exactly where on earth that gold came from based on the other components that are in the gold because it's never 100% pure. Mm-hmm. And the other impurities can be used to track gold back to its original source. And, you know, the, the government actually uses that when there's when there's theft of gold. They will actually, you know, when they arrest somebody and he's got some gold, they'll actually run a test on it and they can say, oh, that came from this mine and, you know, here's the... They can actually get, like, a, a provenance of the gold. And so I, I took it as a literal... At a molecular level, these these things are tagged as belonging to the Alliance. Yeah, I get that you could do that. I mean, because we kind of do that nowadays with food things. I mean, they'll they'll put like a, you know a batch number as to where these particular things come, so they can track things back, so that they know when okay, we've got to do a recall on this substance. Yep. We all know okay, it went to you know the the, the northwest, and yeah. so it, it's it's in this area. We've got to do a recall on everything. Wendy's has got to stop serving ketchup on their hamburgers because <laughs> all the tomatoes had what was it salmonella in them a while back. Uh, I don't remember that one. Oh, I don't yeah. remember that one. The good uh, thing I don't eat at Wendy's. Wendy's sounds so good right now. <laughs> uh, okay, so plausible reasons as to why you might not be able to do that. I think I could come up with a few reasons why I could get around that. Sure. But then again, I'm probably just a higher class of criminal than mm-hmm. Mal and his group are. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, bad guys are terrible shots. <laughs> From now until the end of time... The bad guys will be terrible at shooting the good guys. Well, that's how I know I'm a good guy. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a really good shot. <laughs> I've got to be a good guy. That's One of my goals in life is to make some kind, of, some kind of film or story pretty much based on the opposite of that. Rustler's Rhapsody. Really? Dang it. <laughs> Tom Berenger. <laughs> really? And so all the bad guys are good shots and the good guys aren't? Maybe I've got it backwards. I'm trying to remember now. 
Really? Because if all the bad guys are bad shots, then I don't no, know. It's like every other. I, I, I can't movie. remember now. Now I'm thinking maybe Tom Berenger was a good guy. For some reason, I was thinking he was a bad guy. Anyway, the, one of the premises of the movie is Tom Berenger's character always. Oh, he might. He, that's right. He is a good guy. He always shoots the gun out of people's hands. That's the only thing he can do. He can't actually hit people, but he can shoot the gun out of your hand. <laughs> That's a, that's a good one. That's, that's I like. <laughs> but it's playing power. with the same trope, right? Yeah, playing the same. That, that that's actually one reason why, um, the the movie Daredevil isn't a very good movie. But you know, maybe just the just the uh, just the character Bullseye. of Bullseye. Like he actually everything he did as far as like when he had to get someone and when he had to aim at someone and hit someone, he did it. Yeah. And he was the bad guy. And I thought that was. Actually and it is cool. one of Will Ferrell's best roles. It is one of Will Ferrell's best roles, yes. <laughs> he was only good on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> oh, Stranger Than Fiction was really good. Actually, no, that was pretty that good. Was good. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it helped that he wasn't... Isn't that Colin Farrell? Yeah, oh, yeah, Pete, you're thinking of Colin Farrell. <laughs> brother. Moving on, the it Reavers. It was his brother, yes, they are brothers. <laughs> Will and Colin Farrell. <laughs> So they they manage to to fight their way out of it. They they get the gold, and uh, they're they're on their way out. And the Reavers show back up. Yep. And the Reavers must have excellent tracking devices to be able to find that exact ship. Or maybe but, they. But just... let's assume that's the only other ship that's there on the planet at the time. Uh, or maybe they just plotted the course. They just said, oh, you know, we saw him headed this direction, the next so planet, planet in that direction. But, but then they just automatically find him right away. Oh, they've got planet. scanners. We know they have scanners where they can tell from space what's down on the ground. They can pick out ships. Because it happens several times throughout the course of the series. All right. All right. Um, yeah, the, actually, the, the thing about... I don't know if I want to mention this about the Reavers yet, but they are very, 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 very scary. But I kind of have a hard time believing... That for what they are, they're able to. It's have them, the kind them of, and Klingon scientists. Yeah. How do Klingon scientists ever exist? <laughs> right. Ever. If, if everyone's a warrior and everyone. Or, or Klingon a, doctors. Yeah. Who um, chooses those roles? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's easier to believe in Klingons than than Reavers. These just just I mean, the worst, basest, most feral, horrible, like, psychotic. How they could have like more somehow more advanced technology and how they can work with each other better uh-huh. than than we can it's kind of hard to believe unless I mean well let's talk about it during the other serenity yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. which uh, we never fully get a great explanation of yeah. I don't think I think really, I think really good point we're gonna have a good conversation when we get there yeah so, sorry to bring it up um, so the, the here we get my second favorite scene in the in this episode as Mal's coming back on his ship. They got no time to screw around because the Reavers are coming. You got the federal agent that's got Simon at, at gunpoint. Zero hesitation. Mal pulls his gun out. Bam! Shoots the guy in the face and just keeps walking. Yeah. <laughs> just yep. the, the, you know what? The confidence in that shot and just the, I've got no time for your bull crap. Boom, you're dead. <laughs> exactly. It's a great scene. I That is, that moment, it might be like in my top ten scenes in like things I've seen on video, like well, like it's definitely like top ten like television moments where Mal pulls the gun on on you know, the, on the guy with no has 
uh, I think it's just it just throws a wrench into like what's supposed to happen in that moment. It's, yeah, I just it's just beautiful. I love yeah. it. It's it's really classic. Uh, okay, so they fly off and uh, they're getting chased down pretty hard, and they're just they're gonna do a crazy Ivan. Yeah, little trivia for you. Can anybody else name another movie that uses the term crazy Ivan? I. Uh, I, I <laughs> Joey had his hand uh, up first, so... Hunt for Hunt for Yeah, every time I see it, I was like, do you think they're pulling this from this movie, do you think? It's just weird that they both have the same name. Yeah. Well, it's um, a real nautical term. Yeah. Um, I, so I suppose it's a real space type of uh, I guess it's well. been it's been carried forward into the yeah. future. It's like one of the last as- aspects of old Earth. Earth that was. The concept of crazy Ivan. Earth that was. Earth that was, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, they do a full burn in the atmosphere, and uh, that looks really freaking cool. (laughs) It really does. As they're flying away, they see this massive, you know, uh, burn that they have just done. I always think about patience. (laughs) <laughs> she's down there somewhere she's right the horse stuck like i'm gonna save her here real quick that was off in a different place remember they were they did, flying, that's true they, they were, were flying, flying for a while real, yeah. real crazy far it'd be um, great if they wrapped back around and somehow got right back around. <laughs> like the chase led right back there she's like are you kidding me uh i love Wash's hyper intensity when he's like you know he's in the zone he's he's doing all the super cool piloting that he's doing uh, that, that's one of the things I really like about the character because you know, I, I have those moments. I have that, you know what? Everything else is just shut out. I, you know, the, the rest of the world doesn't exist because I need to be that focused on what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Um, what is one of the other great lines for for me for Shepard Book? Why I like him is we have this moment where things get turned on their head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shepard is he's kind of distraught with everything that's happened and he's kind of doing a a, a sort of confession to Inara mm-hmm. the whore the prostitute which is totally fine that's what people do <laughs> um, and he makes the the quote he says almost in tears I think I'm on the wrong ship which is kind of a turnaround from where he was at before where he was saying you know because how you get there is the worthier part you know, he wants to get his hands dirty, wants to get in there, wants to get into the world. Doesn't really care where, but he wants to be a part of something. Now he is, and he's having trouble with this. Yeah, second And question. we pan away, and it's, you know, in, in shadow, we see, you know, Inara putting her hand down onto the shepherd's head as a form of comfort, which mm-hmm. is the exact opposite mm-hmm. than, than that what you would yeah, yeah. Usually, kind of turns that turns it on its head. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that scene. I, it's nice. I, I, you know, you guys are gonna have to stop me if I keep doing this. But once again, Kaylee, her connection to the ship. You know, when when Serenity has saved them. You know, they, they did the crazy island, they did the full burn, got out of there, and Kaylee is you know patting the side of the ship. She, she, the machine, the ship is a thing to her, a living thing. You know, there's my girl. She, that that connection between Kaylee and the ship really helps me with the character of Kaylee and, and by into it. I would be less creeped out by it if you weren't fondling the the laptop so much when you were talking about these things and, you know, your emotional attachment to things. To machines. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Jane and Mal, uh, they're setting something up here yeah. 
that we're never fully ever going to get to see happen. This is something that's going to happen later on down the line where Jane really does get tempted with enough money and what's he going to do? So be maybe they day. were going to do something with Jane's character and he wouldn't be so one-dimensional. Maybe, you know, season three, season four or something. Who knows? But I think that that's a setup scene where he says money wasn't good enough. Yeah. I, I, there will be a time when the money is good enough for him. I, I thought it was a setup scene for what we actually do see later. Interesting. Really? I mean, because isn't that... I don't think it's paid off to the extent that we I don't think could so. have expected. I, I, I think that... He's I know. Putting, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I think he's. I think Whedon is putting something in here that he can use later on down the line to yeah. uh, a greater effect. Now, I'm glad you brought up this conversation because I, you know, this last time I was watching it, and I'm sure I every time I've seen it, it if I were Mal, I don't know why I'm not dropping Jane off immediately <laughs> when, when we know this is what's going to happen. Is it, I mean. I, I guess Mal is that confident. He's like, okay, yeah, this big, tough guy just blatantly said to me, if someone pays me any more money, I'm going to go with them. But at that time, I know what I'm going to be doing. I'll, I'll have it all figured out at that time. Um, I don't know. I guess Mal is confident enough that he'll just, okay, well, we'll just keep winging it for the rest of our trip. <laughs> you know, it, it's, just, it's just indicative of Mal's character. For example, when he tells Zoe earlier... Nobody's going to find that hidden compartment, even if they're looking for it. Why? Well, because. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, it, that's the way Mal is. I, you know, I, I, it, I appreciate the fact that they're doing that with that type of thing, because we would always just believe, you know, oh, no one can find the Millennium Falcon's hidden stuff. Mm -hmm. Really? They're not going to hear, you know, they're not going to think, oh, what's below the floor here right now, you know? <laughs> they're not going to take the ship apart. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's this idea that we would just believe it, and he, Whedon just says, no, 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 we're going to call people out on, on something like that. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Anybody else got anything? Uh, uh, go ahead. Okay, just a couple things that I, uh, I meant to mention really quick. Um, uh, just commentary things. Uh, they they talk about the Blue Sun Corporation. Uh, like Jane wears the Blue Sun T-shirt. I don't know if he's wearing it in this episode, but you see Blue Sun signs everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, that wasn't just you know part of the universe and just like helping us. It's like oh yeah, this Coca Cola because it is Coca Cola. But he did say he had plans for the nefariousness of blue sun how that it is connected to certain things and it's oh really yeah it, that's new sun, i didn't so, know that so didn't know um that. i but, actually waited all of dollhouse for blue sun to appear in dollhouse and it never happened uh, i was sure he was going to integrate the two yeah that would have been a good place i i never actually saw an episode of dollhouse but i imagine it would be a good place to do that. i don't know why i never did watch dollhouse because see it's people like you that I, got dollhouse canceled I well, love based on what you already actress. said about Dollhouse, you didn't sound that great already. From what you said. <laughs> I didn't say it was bad. I said it was a different way of writing. Okay. Now, are you talking about Eliza Dushku? Yeah, I like her a lot too. Oh, um, she's a winner. Ten for me. True calling. I I prefer Marina Bakarin myself, but I guess I'm weird. I don't know. We'll have to. Have a, it's okay. You're not wrong in that. <laughs> I want to be clear in, uh, in that. I want to be clear that you're wrong. <laughs> uh, okay, also, um, speaking of Inara, when the, when the um, 
when the Reavers came, apparently she, uh, did you guys know she pulled out the case? Like, okay, this oh, is Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't never really pick up on that. Suicide. Until this episode, right. until it, this watching. A, apparently, it's supposed to look like suicide, like a cyanide pill, like yeah. casing. According Again, according to the commentary, he said, that's another thing that I planted for something in the future that I guess we never see. But huh. we don't so know what it is. So it's going to be a plot point that uh, yeah. she potentially uses. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the, the, um, the, the, I'm glad somebody watched the commentary on this, because I know I didn't. You know, I keep thinking, I, I keep thinking I should go back. I've got so many things now that I'm like, like, I've never watched Lord of the Rings with the commentary turned on. What? I, I never have, because I just want to watch the movie. There's three different versions of that, dude. I know. You've got to do that. I've never gotten to it. <laughs> Every time I go to watch it. The, the like, director, no, I just writer, want to watch it with the dialogue. And then the production crew. Oh, it's, it just lends itself so much to so much wonderful insights. Man, that sounds so dull. <laughs> uh, um, okay. Um, we, we actually really could do that right now. I mean, because think about it. We're only watching two episodes a week. Yeah. Even yeah. if both of them have a commentary, that still fits within our normal That's schedule of, you're, of watching you're, you're four right. episodes. Well, I, I don't know. I just, I didn't watch it without the commentary. I just watched it with the commentary. I've seen it a bunch of times, so. Yeah. I Well, I apparently needed to make my notes. I'm not as good as you are, John. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> I would agree with that. I won't. <laughs> You're not wrong you. with that, about that. Screw you, Joey. <laughs> okay, um, a little touch that I didn't notice. Um, in the Battle of Serenity, uh, Mal has a uh, cross that he wears. Yep. That he kisses. kisses. Um, uh, and uh, in the future, that's nowhere to be found, and he hates Shepherd Book. I thought it was kind of a unique uh, kind of showing his descent in, in that certain area. Like, he's sort of lost faith. He's, he's lost faith. He's, yeah. he's given up. He's lost faith, you know, in more than more than just religiously. But, you know, he's kind of got that, that jadedness that, that we see. Actually, you reminded me of something. In uh, This is something a friend of mine, I'm hoping to have him on the podcast next week. He's one of the guys I work with. Huge, huge Firefight plan. <laughs> A fire, 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 flan. He enjoys firefly flan, like the, yes. the Mexican. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's, it's fire, it's fire, fly, firefly flan, firefly flan. <laughs> anyway, he he sent me to a link of in the Serenity uh, show when Mal goes up there and he's got the big airship gun mm -hmm. and it has that display in front. And it has that logo up at the top of the letter W. It looks very similar to a logo in Alien Resurrection. Joss Whedon did that. Yes. Yeah. And so there's sort Is of like... Tie -in? it Could this be the same universe that, you know, that these people are living in, maybe? It could be. Alien is, must be much further in the future, I reckon. Right? I don't know, because Earth was... Earth was an alien, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. Hmm. So, maybe that's what killed Earth that was. The alien. Okay, so, yeah, this is after alien. Uh, yeah. Okay. Could work, could work. Maybe. That could work. Maybe. I like that. Maybe. Um, okay. Um, anyway, there's no actual tie-in. It's just the <laughs> logos look ridiculously similar to each other. And I, apparently they're both supposed to be weapons type of companies. Yeah, well, uh, well production design is like, oh, we still have to do this. And Joss Whedon's like, uh, it was pretty good in Alien. Just use that. <laughs> Um, okay, um, last, one of the last lines, uh, between, um, Mal and, and Simon, 
he says to him, if I ever kill you, just so you know, you'll be awake, mm-hmm. you'll be facing me, and you'll be armed. Now, was Mal lying about that? Or is he just is this just something he has with Simon? <laughs> and may I won't say any more until the other serenity. <laughs> Wait well can't say any more. Can't say any more. Okay, Joey, anything else? Yeah, just uh two brief things. First one is that uh we get the sense now, I think you can just from this one episode you can tell Mal collects broken things. That's what that's what he likes to surround himself with. People who are flawed in a similar way to the way he is. And also, the uh, the scene between River and Simon, when he's putting her to bed, he's giving her her shot, and she's, you know, it's... I don't, I don't totally know what it is that's supposed to be wrong with River. But, I, you know, coming from the bias that I do, I choose to believe that she is autistic. And the way she touches Simon's face... Is exactly the same as the way my son touches my face. There's just something unique to it. I don't know how to describe it, but if you look in that scene, and, and it's not the way you would normally touch another person's she, face. She is she's mentally flawed yeah. at this point because of the things that have happened to her. I think it's probably a very very uh, good way of, of describing it. Is is autistic for her because there's the very lucid moments which you can get yeah. from from people uh, who suffer from that to other times where it's like hello is there there anything inside there right now anyway Uh, i'm just saying the the way summer played that particular scene it's very it's very touching for me because it's clear that she mm -hmm. looked at or had some experience with that particular kind of contact that there is between an autistic person and the person that they're their caregiver that that because it's not just me and my son i see it a lot of times, because you know, my son has is in a class full of autistic kids, and I see that same kind of physical motion involved, and and I just I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed that she put the work in to do that kind of research. Mm-hmm. Okay, anything else or listener comments? Listener comments. Okay, I think we may have finally got a nickname. Oh, for Mark. For Mark. Okay. This is Mark's email. He writes in and says. It's interesting that I've never met anybody that dislikes this show. That, that's that's all his email is. Okay. Just the one sentence. And he says, Mark with an M. So, I think he's got to be listener M. Listener M. M. Okay. Uh, I was thinking maybe Shorty. <laughs> um, the way I kind of sold that there, yeah. It, it would lend itself a little bit more... Uh, but uh, no, I, I didn't think things Captain that Brevity. Far. I like this <laughs> Captain Brevity. <laughs> it's true. Most of his emails have been pretty short. Okay, we'll put a poll up somewhere. Captain Brevity or listener M. <laughs> John, what do you think? I still like. I, I well, I like my all my ideas. I like Shorty and Funky. Funky, yeah, Funky is of course the Marky Mark. I'm going for Captain Brevity. I think that's (laughs) the winner. (laughs) But between those two, I actually like M uh, because I think M is just an awesome letter. It's a great Fritz Lang movie. If you've ever seen M, so I have not. I haven't. Yeah, it's it's good. I was thinking of Bond, really. Yeah. When uh... oh right, there's an M in Bond. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, listener money bags. He writes in and says, "Hey guys, it's good to be back." I didn't get around to watching Studio 60, 
but I'm definitely on board for Firefly. Uh, so I think he just committed to writing emails in every week. That's what I heard, too. That's what I heard. Okay. We're in agreement. <laughs> hey, he continues, and the laid-back pace of two episodes a week is a great idea. Apparently we were just killing our listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Hey, we, did, how, we managed it. Think about... Oh, my gosh. That... It would have made our lives so much easier to if be we knew covering people less. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if you think about it, we would be only halfway, which would mean we would still be in West Wing. Yeah. We're getting towards the end of West Wing, I guess. Oh, my gosh. That would be forever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, moving on. I didn't watch Firefly while it was on the air. When the series was announced, I read an article which said the show featured a space hooker. And I just... <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, and I dismissed it. The name didn't grab me either. I didn't know who Joss Whedon was at the time. Then my friends started raving about it. By this time, it had been canceled. I resisted the urge to watch it. Why watch an awesome show that got canceled? I would just be left with a craving I couldn't satisfy. I finally caved. And, of course, I loved it. But the real punch in the gut was that my wife, who doesn't usually like science fiction, loved it too. Finally, a sci-fi series we could watch together, and it was already canceled. Sigh. Anyway, on to the episodes. Actually, I'm going to say, why, why can't he watch uh, Babylon 5? Bob and SpongeBob seem to yeah. enjoy watching yeah. it together, and they're a couple. Joey and uh, your, your wife uh, yes. seem to enjoy watching it together. Yep. I don't, I don't feel like he's, he's pushed uh, Babylon 5 onto his wife hard enough. <laughs> okay. You have to get into season one. <laughs> <laughs> Serenity. The pace just seems a bit slower than I remember. It might be the slow western soundtrack, or maybe I'm just used to the faster paced TV now. I am amazed that Jane puts up with Mal. Especially when Mal le uh, tells him to leave the table after insulting Kaylee. I can't see Jane lasting more than ten minutes on Serenity. I love both characters. <laughs> I love that Wash and Zoe are married and actually love each other. Yeah. So many TV shows present marriage as a negative thing that it's gotten old. And I love that their gender roles are somewhat reversed, mm -hmm. with Zoe being the stronger one. It's the characters that make this show shine. The story is good, but it feels a bit thin. The crew, the crew steals some stuff. They try to sell it. The feds are after them. It's not bad. And maybe I'm being a bit harsh, since I don't generally like westerns, even if they are space. I find the plot with the feds and the reavers more interesting than the heist plotline. Until next time, listener Moneybags. Great. He then puts down his phone number, which I assume I'm supposed to read out on the air. Okay. So, go yeah. ahead. 801-788-4913. Only kidding. I wouldn't read his, his phone number. Uh, listener Brainy Smart says, this, is, uh, this opening is as epic as it is awesome. I love the idea of an inspirational speech followed by a surrender. I have trouble conveying the right words to describe many levels of opposing forces displayed in this scene. We have the balance of a war cry rally and the sting a and the sting a white flag. 
the grunts with all the heart and their superiors with no stones. I guess I love how this scene breaks through and toward the character of Mal. He embodies freedom and subjugation at the same time. He continues to trust his instincts as he cruises through the verse, but he is often the victim of his own sensibilities, as demonstrated through the reference to his past encounters with Patience and Badger. He is constantly grappling for the freedom of he and his crew, but they are simultaneously victims to the subjugation of the Alliance. There is darkness afoot, and Mal is unable to stop it, but he never accepts it. Great opener. Additionally, shiny is a great adjective, <laughs> and I think we should all try to incorporate shiny into our vernacular. By the way, my friend at work does it all the time. <laughs> Everything's shiny. Uh, the way, uh, the part where Mal tells the doctor that Kaylee is dead is such a brilliant tension reliever, a testament to Whedon's strong writing abilities. And what an explanation as to what reavers are. Creepy. The showdown with Patience is great as Jane gets to prove his worth as the ship's badass. I also love the ending as Kaylee orchestrates the execution of a crazy Ivan. One more thing. This show is very exciting for Chinese-savvy sci-fi fans, so oh, I would no. be happy to provide some <laughs> translations okay. of the Chinese phrases. I thought maybe he was going to say, so from now on, all of my letters will be in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Um, just let me know, although there are a plethora of websites that also serve this purpose. I will just p uh, pick one this week. So when Mal tells Kaylee to get back to work, she utters... Which means, you are super jerk face and an old tyrant. <laughs> Sci-Fi 9, TFE 8, later dudes. Good read, good writing. Yeah. All of your emails were great, especially listener M? M. Listener Captain Brevity. Captain Brevity? Alright, we'll see. We'll Captain see. Mevity. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bremity. Uh, okay. Uh, Pete? Writing. TV first. TV first. TV first. I'm going to say TV 7, although really hard pressed to maybe give it an 8. I also gave it a 7. I. <laughs> the man who struggles this. with this. This will be fun. We yes, haven't had this yes, for a long time, it. so let's, let's I, I, embellish I, this. It's been so long, I'd forgotten that the, this ordeal was coming. <laughs> this uh, the, the first episode of, Surrend of Firefly, uh, I think, is one of the best episodes of Firefly, in my opinion. Mm. Um, one of the best, but not the best. So I'm, I'm going to go nine on it. Mm. Wow, good for you. Science fiction, Pete? Um, I'm going to say eight. I mean, I, I like... The reason I give it so high of an eight isn't necessarily because, you know, there's a ton of sci-fi in it, but it's an introduction to a ton of... I mean, we've created this whole new universe, and I think that that is, you know, pretty high, even though, I mean, there's not a lot of sci-fi aspects to it other than the introduction of this brand new universe with all of these weird you know characters my thoughts yeah i 
I had a couple issues with it. Um, I hated the idea of projectile weapons, that they're still using projectile weapons. It, just didn't, it doesn't make sense. It just there doesn't. are energy weapons, though, in this society. Yes, there are. But maybe projectile weapons are just cheaper. Yeah. I just don't buy that anyone's stupid enough to bring a projectile weapon on board a ship. And that any captain... I mean, Mal, how was he not where at least using a, a, an energy weapon? He's going to risk damaging his ship every time he has to enforce... Anyway, yeah. enough said about that. He seems to be quite secure with all the weird, crazy decisions he makes. The, uh, and, and just the way artificial gravity is just assumed. <laughs> I should have at least mentioned it. I had an issue with that. So I'm only going to give it a six. Uh, I'm, I'm giving it a seven. Less than, less than television. And I feel bad. I'm, I'm giving it lower than my TV. Pete, for kind of the same reasons you said. But I think it's a good thing in this case. It is yeah. an entire universe. Mm -hmm. But it's not very science fictiony. Yeah. All of the themes they brought up, all of the all of the places where they could have gone like really deep sci-fi, yeah. they actually stayed away from specifically. Right. That's a good point. Right? Um, and and it was it was all about people's interaction with each other. Nothing crazy. Nothing nothing like uh, that you would see in a, not like six seasons of Lost. Right. Yeah. And it's not like you know the, you know the, the, they don't need like a, a a wormhole that generates a duplicate of someone so we can explore the inner workings of the dual nature of man kind of thing. It was <laughs> it was just a bunch of people on a ship. I like how you just seem to come up with that on the fly. <laughs> he doesn't have any notes in front of him, folks. He literally just came up with that. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. So uh, so yeah. It, so what episode of Star Trek: The Original Series is that? It's well. It's it's like the fifth episode. It's the the enemy within is the name of the episode. So it's actually one of the earlier ones. It's like the third or fourth episode. But um, uh, yeah. So it, I I think it's it scores high as a sci-fi show that's that's not dependent on sci-fi to yeah. get its themes across. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thanks everyone for emails in. That was really great. John, really, really happy to have you back on the podcast. Thank yeah, you. This it, was it, so much fun. Train yeah, and bushwhacked. Train yeah. job and bushwhacked. Next, next to, and uh, maybe, I don't know, we should probably post up the list somewhere. I mean, it's in the email that I sent out. If you're it's listening to this um, and you, you're not a part of Facebook or you're not getting the emails, I don't know. Pete'll put it on Re the blog. Readjust your life decisions and start getting on the email and start getting on Facebook. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Homestarmy Presents Trek West 5. We hope that you've learned something, had some laughs, and we always invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. Or you can tweet us at hashtag trekwest5 or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And thanks for listening.